Amen. Well, today if we, if you've heard me pray and you saw the, the ladies and Kevin up here and they all had a sign with them, um, a lot of those signs were the topics of our weeks and what we've discussed. And we've talked about obedience and we've talked about covenant. And every time I say covenant, I, t- I, use, I, say, I mention the word commitment because what good is a covenant if we're not going to commit to it? Amen? We talked about the word explore last week. If you're taking notes, the last installment to our series, the title is called Move. Uh, that's the name of this message. It's titled Move, M-O-V-E. Move. Everyone look at the first thing next to you. This is going to be weird now. And just say move to them. Yep, but really stay put. Okay? Some of you guys are like, yes. Finally. No, move. Move. You know, we're talking about remaining in the unknown, but now I gave you a title like move. You're like, all right, so do I stay or do I go? Because now you're really confusing me whether I'm supposed to stay faithful and obedient here or part four, do I move in it? Make up your mind. It's not about moving out of the unknown, church. It's, it's rather moving within the unknown. Amen. How many of you have ever been scared before? Just like scared. You saw a scary movie, okay? And when you go to bed, you just hug yourself like a little baby in the embryo position, and you throw the covers on you, and you think, if I just close myself up like this, nothing can see me. How many of you have done that? You've just been so scared. Liars. I know many of you have. Sometimes, sometimes in the unknown, we, we look at, where God's calling us and we get very scared and we don't move, we stay frozen. In the first two weeks of this series, we've, we've highlighted the life of Abraham and, and how he was obedient to God's call and how he remained committed with God. And I wish I can tell you this. I wish I can tell you that everything was perfect from that day forward in Abraham's life. Everything was great. But I wouldn't be telling the truth to you today if I told you that Abraham... From the moment that he went into the unknown, lived happily ever after without any other problems. I'd be the biggest liar deceiving you today. He made many mistakes, many wrong decisions, and though he did that and, made, and, did, and caused many wrong things to happen and wrong actions at times, Abraham never, ever walked away from something, and he never walked away from the Lord's call. He continued to move in the unknown. He had a lot of mistakes, a lot of errors. But he never stopped moving. There was something, as you look at the life of Abraham, though he continued to stay faithful in the unknown with a lot of errors, with a lot of distractions, with a lot of sin, there was something about Abraham that was very evident in his life that he was lacking. And what he was lacking was, was lacking maturity. Something's wrong. Give me one second, guys. It'll show up. All right, here we go. He was lacking in maturity. Rudy. Oh, whoa. All right. As he was lacking in maturity, um, if you study his life, his immaturity almost got him. It almost got him, his wife, and everyone around him killed. He was, he was a mess. He was immature. At one point of his life, I don't know if you guys know this, God calls him out, and Abraham goes out, 
And as Abraham goes out, watch this, he begins to go and he begins to travel on this journey, but then he starts coming across different lands and different regions. And he tells his wife this. He says, honey, when we go to these different places and the king asks, asks of you, because you're a very beautiful woman, I want you to do this. I want you to tell these kings that you're my wife. Remember that story? Tell them that you're my wife. Um, tell them that you're my sister. Not that you're my wife. You tell them that you're my sister because you're beautiful, and I know very well that the kings are going to ask of you. And they're going to want you all, all to themselves. And you do whatever you need to do, honey. Who does that to their wives? <laughs> so that we can live, really, so that I can live, Abraham was telling her. Abraham, interesting guy. It's found in, in Genesis, actually, chapter 20. For the sake of time, I, I won't go there, but I'm not making up this story. In Genesis 20, this king is sleeping one day. And the Lord appears to him and says, uh, listen up, get up. See that woman that's in your room? Don't touch her. If you lay a hand on her, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> the king's like, what? Why? She was given to me by this foreigner, by this stranger. Why would you kill me? She's like, let me tell you why, because that's not his sister. In reality, it's his wife. And do me a favor and take her back and give her back to her husband. Do not lay a hand on her. Long story short, he comes up to Abraham and he tells Abraham this. He says, are you nuts? The Lord appeared to me, and the Lord showed me that this is not your sister, that instead this is your wife. And he told me that if I lay a finger on her, that he's going to kill me. And he goes, you could have her back. I don't even want to touch her because I'm not going to die for this lady. And she, he gives her, he gives Abraham back his wife. And um, it's funny because Abraham from there picks up and goes, and he's like, good job, all right, we did good. But what a fool Abraham was. I mean, what a fool he is. How can he give his wife over? But then I started to look at Abraham's life. I started to think about my life. And I started to say, in this unknown, in this call of God, what a fool I've been. I am, and I've been at times. Where in my immaturity, I've, I've given things up. In my immaturity, I've done things that I know God has called me not to do, but yet I'm still a Christian. It does not change that I'm a Christian, all right? It does not change that I'm still following and desiring the will of God, but in it, there are so many times in my life where there's something lacking in me, and that thing is called growth, maturity. And that's when I find myself feeling like where I'm at, I'm okay. God's got me here. And God looks at us and says, where you're at is okay, but remaining there is not. You continue to move, grow, mature. Amen? Abraham was a perfect example of someone. Everything about him, what a, what a call was on his life. And he almost got himself killed because of immaturity. And I started to look at the life of Abraham this week again and read it again. And I started to think about the call upon our lives. And what a call we have on our lives, church. All because Jesus loves us. All because of the love that our Father has for us. We enter his love, this grace, this new life with the Lord. And then he begins to teach us things. He teaches us things about him. He teaches us things about ourselves. He teaches us stuff about others. 
And everything that we thought we knew in Christ, we start to realize as we continue to grow in Him that we really don't know much. And there's still so much more to know. There's still so much more of Jesus to pursue. How many of you could say amen? And I stand before you today admitting that I don't know much. And I'm sure you could sit down today and say, neither do I. And that's where we're at in this unknown, recognizing that we need so much more. And then we get this picture, this visualization as Scripture helps us paint it for us, this faith walk. And as we look at this faith walk, I I want you to think about some things in this faith walk. The last piece of the mic fell. Now we could preach. Want to know a true story? A preacher's life, man. I'm up here preaching for the last five minutes, and I've been jiggling this little piece through my body. Okay? Without trying to let you guys see that I've been jiggling this thing through my body, and it came out. Can I have a hallelujah? I can finally preach. My God. Do whatever you got to do, man. Let's just take a time out. What do you want to do, bro? Let's pray again. I literally feel free. All I need now is for my chain to break. I'm like, I literally feel delivered. The pressure when you stand before an audience, man, whether it's 10 or 1,000, it's like, don't let them see it. Let's preach now. So we read the Word of God, right? And the Word of God begins to paint us this picture, this faith walk, right? And what does the Word of God begin to tell us about this faith walk? What does it begin to teach us? Well, I'm going to give you some examples in Scripture. It teaches us that it's like a construction worker, someone who is building. Have you ever read that passage? It teaches us it's like a king who plans to go to war, this faith walk. In another passage, actually the same passage as the construction worker. It teaches us that it's a journey. Paul teaches us that it's a fight. He also says that it's a race, just to name a few things. Whether it's like a construction worker building something, a king ready to make war or preparing for war, or whether it's a group of individuals or an individual going on a long journey, or it's like a boxer in a ring ready to fight, or whether it's like a runner who has trained themselves to race in this marathon, whatever, listen, whatever illustration and example you want to use for your walk and your unknown, fine, so be it. But the scripture is Full of them. Amen. It's full of different pictures and examples. And that's what the unknown is. But as we get through this introduction, I know that at the end of this unknown, I know that as I run in Christ, I win in Christ. And we talked about that weeks ago. Everyone say that with me. As I run in Christ, I win in Christ. And that's the truth. And I know that we win in Him. And I know that the end result is amazing. I get all those things. I I know that right now I might not understand it all. But I know that Christ directs me and he leads me. And if you are in Christ, he directs you and he leads you. And as we embark in this journey, this unknown, there's a word that I want to stress today. It is the word move. We're called to move. What do you mean move? To advance. Listen, church. I told you the mic's off. It's to progress. And that's what God's, 
Like seriously, that's what God has called us to do, to progress and advance in our walk. The unknown is a call to, to progress. We don't continue in the same petty acts, in the same immature mindset. We don't stay the same. The reality is that scripture teaches us that we advance and we grow in our maturity. Church, we grow. And that's what we're called to do. Abraham, he could have gotten killed because of his lack of maturity. And our immaturity, just like Abraham, can harm us. Just like Abraham. Not only can it harm us, but listen to this. Everyone else that's involved. Like I know that as a pastor, as a brother, as a son, as a father, as a husband, my lack of maturity not only affects me, but everyone that's connected to me. Amen? Like if I start coming up here and being immature with you guys, I don't want an immature church, stupid, playing games, dummy. When people come in here, it's like a, it's like a comedy show. I don't want to run a comedy show. I want to run an anointed, powerful, living organism. The, oh man, the church of God. Like I'm not going to come up here with the red nose and give you jokes. I want to make sure that, man, I'm growing. So because I'm growing, I'm expecting for the people that I pastor and I do life with, my brothers and sisters, we're growing together. We're moving together. And I, I need to make sure you understand that. Like, uh, like, like, come here. We're not the same people I were, we were two years ago. Trust me. I've matured since two years ago. But watch this. I know very well that I'm still not where I should be. I still need to continue to grow. I know that for a fact. I hope you know that. We were called to grow Abraham, what a disaster that could have been. Church, what a disaster that could be in your life if you don't do that. It could infect everyone, and I like this word, it could infect everyone in which you're called to lead. I want you guys to write this down in your notes. Everyone here is called to lead someone. Oh, but you're the pastor. No, listen. The last thing I am is a pastor. I lead so much more in, in such little one-on-ones that this is not even the forefront of it all. Because I have a family that I got to lead. Trust me, that can be harder than this family sometimes. Any families in here can say, yeah? I'm, I'm telling you right now that all of you, just because you might not be in the front of an audience or you might not be in the head of some sort of organization or ministry or whatever it might be, it does not take away that everyone in this room has someone to lead in their lives. I'm telling you that. And because every single one of us has someone, man, this is, this is real right here. I got to make sure I got to be on my A game, not just to put a front. Because their souls are on the line. Their hearts are on, their line, on the line. And I don't want to lose people. Come on, church. We want to what? We want to win people. Paul writes to the church of Ephesus. You've heard this verse so many times here at New Life. I'm going to be very honest with you. All the verses that we are talking about today, you've heard so many times here at New Life. Ephesians chapter 4. I'm only going to read these three verses for right now. 13, 14, and 15. Watch this. Paul says this. So we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. 
to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature and the fullness of Christ, 14, that we should no longer be children. Did you guys just hear what Paul said? That we should no longer be what? Yeah. What? Hey, like what was he really telling the church of Ephesus? Church. You can say it. Grow what though? Grow up. Grow up. Don't be like children tossed, carried around by every wind of doctrine, by trickery of men. You guys remember weeks ago? Over here, guys. You guys remember weeks ago? Look what I have in my hand. Children fall for that. Tito right now goes like that with his hand and says, look what I got in my hand. I'm looking at him and say, I'm not playing games right now, man. Children fall for those things, for the trickery of men. For false doctrines. Oh, what do you mean? The church? No, no, no. True people that are truly rooted in the word of God truly don't get deceived by false doctrine. Because we know the word of God. We're rooted in the word of God. Man, and, and that's what Paul is telling the church. Like, stop flowing and stop going with what's popular. Man, do we not live in a time where everyone's doing what's popular? How about this, ready? Stop doing what's popular and start doing what's right. Start doing what's of God. Mature, is what Paul is telling them. Mature already, he tells them. And then in 15, he says, but speak this truth. Speak it in love. Grow up. Watch this. Grow up in what? Some? No, all things. Into Jesus. Into him who is the head. Into Jesus Christ. Is that an awesome verse or no? NLT breaks it a little bit smooth. Watch this. That we will be mature in the Lord. He uses the word mature. Measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ that we will no longer be immature like children. Verse 15 says, instead, we will speak the truth in love. Look what, he, what the NLT says. Growing in every way more and more like Christ. Love that. You know what happens? I'm, I'm going to mention like three or four things only. Because I, I, I had a list, right? I said, okay, God, I'm going to highlight. Help me highlight at least four because there's like 20. And let me hope, hope, Lord, that I could time to preach all these things. There are some things that happen to us when we lack maturity. Number one, I want you to write, this is not like the number one thing, but this is just the number one topic that I want to talk about today. When we lack maturity, I'm going to call it this, for all respect, just, just understand why I'm calling it this. When we lack maturity, we fall or we are weak to what's called stupid sin. Write that down. I love it. Stupid sin. Okay, there's sin, but then there's stupid sin. Okay, brother, you know, you're having a bad day, I get it. But then you look at other sin, that's just stupid sin. That, that doesn't even make sense for a mature child of God. I mean, when you look at the life of Abraham, what happened to Abraham because of lack of maturity? Stupid sin. Like, come here. For me to go into some sort of neighborhood, and everyone's like, whoa, who's that girl with you? That's my sister. No way. You know what I'm going to do with Nancy? I'm going to grab her a little bit tighter, bring her in a little bit closer. Who's that girl? That's my woman. That's my wife. You better get your tongue that you're whistling with and stick it right back in your mouth. But Abraham, stupid sin. Abraham's like, you're my sister. Remember, shut up. Don't look at me like you're my wife. You're my sister. Stupid sin. Like, 
thinks about those things. Immature people do. Immature people think about that. David, stupid sin. There's a man that's fighting for you out there. He's in the center of the camp, like fighting. He's, the, he's in charge of a band of warriors of yours. And his wife is taking a shot. Like you're really thinking about doing this when someone is about to die for you? You're thinking about taking what means the most to him? Stupid sin. You should know better than that, David. Bathsheba never belongs to you. It's Uriah's girl. You're stupid. Stupid sin. You know what happens to David? He was immature, man. Who thinks about those things? She looks good. I don't care if she looks good. They were never for your eyes to even look at anyways. Stupid sin. He caught, and there was more. Trust me. I, I'm just stopping there for David. David had a million of them because he was immature. Peter. Should I even get into Peter's life? <laughs> stupid sin, stupid sin, stupid sin. I mean, they full of stupid sin. Stupid sin. But so many all throughout the scriptures fall because of this sin. Sin that you should know better, but we don't because of areas of immaturity. I'm going to talk to your heart today. Before I do that, let's read scripture because that's the best thing to do. Paul's writing to the church of Colossae. And in his letter in the first chapter, verse 9 and 10, he says something very, that caught my attention and I want to read it to you. He says, so we've not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. Colossians 1, 9 and 10. But look what he says. Hey, we're praying for you, church. We're praying for you. But look what he says next. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Like, I wish Paul could have just been real in this point, right? Like, I'm praying for y'all. Why, Paul? Because you're immature. I wish Paul would have just been real with it. I mean, he was because he was very detailed with what he was praying for. Look what he says. I'm praying that God would give you wisdom because you guys lack it. My God. Isn't that cool? You ever read that letter like that? I hope he gives you understanding. That's what I'm praying for. Hey, listen to this. Not just some knowledge, but what kind of knowledge, church? Complete knowledge, Paul says. And then in verse 10, he says, then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord. Like that's what he's telling the church of Colossians. You should live a life already, church, that should always Please and honor the Lord. Uh, one translation says, walk in a manner that is worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. How many of you can say amen to that? I walk in a manner worthy, fully, not half, not percentage, fully pleasing him. And your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while you will grow, you will what? You will grow. You will grow as you learn to know God better and better. Uh, the other transition is that you would increase, increase in the knowledge of God. How many of you just saw this passage right here? And you see maturity written all over it. Paul is telling them, guys, listen, listen. You're in Christ now. You're in the church now. You're growing now. You're, you're, you're worshiping together. You're reading the word together. You're evangelizing. You're feeding the homeless. You're doing so many neat things together. But look what he tells them next. That you would now just have spiritual wisdom and understanding. 
Because without this lack, with, with this lack of wisdom, when we lack wisdom and understanding, when we lack a life that is producing what Paul says here, every kind of good fruit, if we are not increasing, church, if we are not maturing in the knowledge of God, what is Paul telling them? We know that the church is capable then of what? Of opening their hearts to sin. We sin when we what? When we separate ourselves from God. What is Paul telling the church? Get what? Back into the full knowledge and understanding and wisdom of who God is. Watch this. Because the more, what does he say here? The more you increase in the knowledge of Christ, the more you know Christ, what? More and more, guess what? The more mature you will be and the less you would fall into I know you've been dying to say it. And that's what Paul is telling the church. Like, like outside of Christ, it's sin. And watch this. It's so stupid, it's not even worth it kind of sin. How many of you can say amen? You're talking, you're talking to the house today, Pastor Rigo. Thank you. No? All right, but I'm going to keep on talking. And then he says... Produce every kind of a good fruit. The body of Christ, starting with me, I really mean this, man. The body of Christ, starting with me, needs to mature. It needs to move. Everyone say move. Into maturity. We can't risk. Did you hear me? We can't risk falling into stupid sin. Why? God's, God's watching this. God's leading this. People are watching us. We got to grow. We got to grow. How many of you are excited to hear this word? I need to grow up. I do. How many of you want to grow up with me? I don't care if you're 80 years old here today. I don't care if you're 50, if you've been serving the Lord for 30 years. Hey, you could have ran the most successful ministry in South Florida at one point. I don't know what other kind of thing under your resume. I hope all of us in here today could recognize I need to grow up some in my life. I know I do. Not anyone would just admit that, you know what? Can you just admit that today? I need to mature, I need to grow. Ephesians 4.14, no longer be like immature, immature like children. Ephesians 4.14, no longer be immature like children. I don't want to be tossed and blown away by every kind of wind. How many of you, how many of you just want to, want to face the winds and say, you can't move me? I'm mature in Christ. We are people of the unknown. Let's fight for consistency in our lives. Write that down. Let's fight for consistency in our lives. No longer this mindset of, that one day, oh, I'm on fire for Jesus. And then the next day, oh, it's too hard. I'm doubting Jesus. Like, what? <laughs> do you know him? Do you don't? <laughs> Come on, man. Let's just grow up from that. Like, do we know Jesus or we don't? We don't. Do we don't? We don't. Do we not? Do we know him or do we not? Let's progress. Let's grow. Let's mature. Yesterday, I sent about seven guys a text message that says, I need a seesaw for church. Any of you here could have gotten me a seesaw if I would have texted you? I need, all right, I have your number. I'm going to call you next time if I need a prop, for sure. Because I always need props, and I don't know who to call. Like, one time I wanted to bring a lion. I didn't know who to call. I'd bring a lion to church. <laughs> so, 
I really was going to bring it. Remember that service? There's a line in the room? No? Okay. It's on YouTube. You can see it. We have the, the video on YouTube. No, you don't. All right. I was going to bring a seesaw, and I was going to call one of you guys up here with me and just play a game of seesaw and just go up and down. Wee! Butterflies. Woo! Remember that game? Wee! It's the dumbest game in the playground. Because no one wins in it. Because I like to, when I play games, I'm, how do you win? Don't. Like, there's not a game, like, you get higher than the other one? No. So you, like, when you're young, you make it a game, right? Watch this. When you go up, I'm going to jump back, and I'm going to land, and whoever lands like this wins. And then you make a game out of something that was not even supposed to have a game. So you're in the seesaw. Wee up. Wee down. And you go, you know, you got to find the right person. Because you find the right person with the right, with the right weight compared to your weight and things like that. It works out good. And I wanted to compare that to our lives, right? Come on. How many of us like, we Jesus, I'm victory, everything's good. Woo, oh my God, I don't even see Jesus in my life. I'm doubting him. Is he even hearing my voice? Woo, Jesus, yes. Everyone preaching, laying hands on people, preaching to the, oh no, I'm so defeated. I have the vi-. And we live our lives like that. Now watch this. What is God doing in all this? God is like, wow, thank you. Get it together. Church, Christianity is not a seesaw. Look, ma. No. Let's show some consistency. Let's show the world who we really are. Let's not saying, I have victory over today. Oh no, today it's conquered me. I have victory over. Like, let's make up our mind. Are we going to serve God or not? Mature from the sin in our lives. I have a close friend who I love that deals with that, and we're trying to help this friend of ours. And so one day this friend is up, and one day this friend is down, and me and my wife and some close friends are like, we don't get what's going to happen with this friend. Like, serve God already, or you never want to say this as a Christian, or don't, but you always want to be like, just keep trying. Serve God, or just keep trying, but get there. And it's almost like they're constantly on the seesaw. I want to go to number two because I think you guys get the point on that. Number two, if you could open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 with me. When you're there, give me an amen. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, there's a lot of good stuff that is happening here. Have you ever read 1 Corinthians 12? A lot of people have. We have so many times here. Hey, 1 Corinthians 12 is very neat. I can't read it all to you, but this is your homework. You're going to read all when you get home, verses 1 through 26. Read it. Why not? I'm helping you figure out what you need to do for a devotional this week. 1 Corinthians 12, 1 to 26. Start there. Very good. So what happens in 1 Corinthians 12? Real neat. As he begins to write to the church of Corinth here, he begins to tell the church of Corinth, hey guys, I know you're many. I know you're many. Watch this, watch this. Dirk, your background, where are you from? New York. So he's an American. Amen? Somewhat? How about your family background? Wow, that's neat. Dutch, Irish, born in New York. And now in Hialeah. All right. I don't know. I don't know. I don't even know what to tell you. It just happens that way. 
It just happens that way. It just happens. I have a good buddy here since we were young. We used to go to middle school together. We used to clown. Morris in the building. Morris, what, what, what's your background? Colombian. Colombian. Yeah, we know why he's in Hialeah, huh? Colombian Hialeah. The food. All right. Um, your family's all Colombian? And you were born there? And he ended up here in the States. So we have a Dutch, Irish, New York, and American, and a Hialeah, forgot that one, and a Colombian... Now, citizen, American, United States, whatever you want to call them. I mean, two different ball fields here. Have you ever been to Ireland or wherever else he's from? No. There, have you ever been to Dutch? <laughs> Den- Denmark? Holland? You never been to Colombia? Have you ever been to Colombia, Derek? He's never been to Colombia. Tell him something, man. <laughs> Guys. What church do you go to? New life. This church. Morris, what church do you go to? New life. So this Dutch, Ireland, Hialeah, American, New York, and confused individual. <laughs> and this Colombian has no idea how he got to America. Morris. Just admitted they were, they were both part of a structure, an organism, a people group that is called New Life. Isn't that weird? What did God just do there? He grabbed two di- I mean, just, I, I'd say this because I could pick on him, he's not going to offend him, you could pick on him, he's not going to offend him. If they do, you're going to fit in perfect with my second point because point number two is those who are immature easily get offended. I'm going to ask Morris to stand up. If he gets offended, for point number two, stop getting easily offended. Real mature. All right, here we go. Derek, can you stand up? I'm leaving this church. <laughs> guys, can you guys look at Man, Morris, I want you to come back to church. I love you, man. I, I want you guys just to look at everyone here. Yeah. All right, you guys can sit down. I, I, I don't know. They look totally different. It's funny because I was looking. Those are the two that just caught my attention. They look totally different. But yet together, they're in new life, and they both said, I belong to new life. I'm part of this, this, this community. I'm part of this church. I'm part of, I'm part of what's happening here at new life. When Paul writes to the church of Corinth, he's like this. Ready? There are many of you in chapter 12, many members, many, many members. But, but watch this. As you are many members with different backgrounds and different ways of doing family and different ways of doing this relationship with God and different ways of just doing business and different ways of raising, ch- I mean, just all these different things that you guys do, the way you eat is different. I remember when the, I went to eat with a friend of mine that's Ecuadorian. We went to McDonald's when I was young, and I grabbed the fries. I stuck them in my burger. I ate the burger, slept the Coke, ate some more burger, and it was the weirdest thing with him. He ate his whole burger. He went to all the fries, and then he drank his soda. I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, this is how we were taught to eat in Ecuador. We eat like this. There's an order. I'm like, well, in Cuba, <laughs> you eat whatever they put in front of you, brother, before, it gets, before it's no longer there. So I stick the fries in the burger, in my mouth, before someone comes and says, that fries belongs to me now. I'm going to make sure I eat it. It's just two different cultures. Any Cubans in the building can say Amen. Dame la comida y me lo como ahora mismo, no importa la. All right, I'm gonna stop. El orden. But two different individuals doing things 
two different ways. And Paul says, there are many of you, many members. But watch this. In chapter 12, verses 1 through 26, he says, though you are many members, you make up this one body. What? One? This is weird now. Because how did this Colombian and how did this Irish New Yorker, ready? How did they become one body? They don't even look the same. They don't even do things the same. I'm sure the way you eat is totally different than the way you eat. I'm sure the way you talk is different totally the way you talk. The way you do culture is different the way you do culture. But Paul says this, together, though you are many, you've become one in the same body. Watch this. You became the body of Christ, the living organism, the church in all of your differences. That's crazy. It's nuts. It's weird. Because I don't understand how that happens, but it's something that the Spirit does. It's unity. So watch this. Because me and the Irish New Yorker and this American born from Key West, Florida, Cuban background way of doing things, we come together and we're part of the same church now. But now I recognize that, watch this, he's no longer just a Colombian and just this New York and Irish man. He is now my brother in the Lord that I run this race with. Now everything changes because you're not just someone different from the street. You're someone united to the same body. And have you ever thought about this? How weird would it be if the hand told the foot, I'm mad at you. I can't believe you walked there. I no longer want to be associated with you. I wish I never knew you. Oh, how awkward would that be? If the mouth were to tell the eyes, I can't stand you. I'm going to ask to be taken away from this because I can't stand the way that you looked over there and you were never supposed to look at that thing. I can't believe you even looked at that. As a matter of fact, I'm going to ask if this mouth can be removed from this body. You know what happens if those things are divided? If, if, if the mouth is divided from the eyes and the hand is divided from the foot and parts of our bodies are divided from one another, you have a dysfunctional organism that doesn't recognize the purpose of why it exists but when we are in Christ we do not divide each other from one another whether you're an Irishman from New York or a Colombian here in Hialeah it does not matter together you're part of the same organism and the eye and the mouth and the hand and the foot better figure out how to make it work because we have a purpose we have a call and it's through the upward call of Jesus Christ I don't have time to deal with, with watch this, with, with stupid things about my brother from the Irishman of New York. We're going to get through this, brother. Why? Why do we do it? Because we're part of Christ. I cannot be easily offended with you because we have a purpose together. I'm tired of seeing churches at war amongst each other. Churches die that way. If you want to go to war with anyone here, I love you. Get your heart right. I want to see you get involved here. If not, if you like, I'm not going to do it. There's other churches all around this area that will say, welcome home. But here, we don't fight with each other. We fight for each other. I can't become easily offended. Phil, you offended me. Okay, let's get over it. Let's talk about it already. And let's keep doing life. Sit. That simple. Stupid. I want to say so much more, but I don't think I'm going. I'm going to use discernment. Lack of maturity. 
when we get easily offended. Imagine that. Colossians chapter 2, verse 6 and 7 says this. Colossians 2, 6 and 7. And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you continue to follow him. Can everyone look at verse 7 with me? Let your roots grow down into him. How many of you like that? Let your lives be what? Built on him. And your faith will what? Grow strong. In the truth that you were taught, you will overflow with thankfulness. Did you guys catch that passage? Grow, grow, grow what? Grow into him. Guys, in the unknown, listen, we don't stay the same. We what? We move. Move what? Just keep moving into him. Grow in maturity. Move in maturity. Continue to be built upon Jesus, your foundation. Amen? Guys, if you get this verse, you get the big picture. How can I easily get offended with my brother and sister if we are part of the same body? When you become offended with me, or if I ever become offended with you, and we don't clarify that, we become a dysfunctional family. And do you want to know what happens to dysfunctional bodies and dysfunctional families? No one wants to be a part of it. Not here in your life. At home, we're dealing with our families. We're praying for that sanctification process. But here, we all know Jesus. And right here, I want us to make sure we understand this big picture. It's not about the leg. It's not about the arm. It's not about the nose. It's not about the mouth. But look at the eyes. They get so much more glory than the toenail. <laughs> the toenail hides under the socks and in the shoes. Why can't they come barefoot anymore? Because I want the toe to get some credit. Listen. At the end of the day, whether you're the eye or the toe that gets no credit because it's hiding in the sock and the shoe, watch this. When it's all functioning correctly, isn't the whole entire organism getting glory? The whole organism looks good. But if I were to walk up here and you just see me do this every time I walk, you're going to always say, what's wrong with him? Why? Because something's off in my body, so something doesn't look right. But if I'm walking up here and everything is fine and healthy, you say, what? He's okay. His body is fine. The body of Christ has to stop limping once and for all, church. The body of Christ needs to become that strong organism that it's called to be. We need to mature. We need to move in that. We need to grow in that. Listen to what I'm telling you. We must stop getting offended for every single little thing. Who cares if they dance today? today and No, let's say, who cares if they dance today? They dance today. And if I find out it bothers you, they're going to dance again next week. Come on, we could laugh and hang out and talk. Who cares? Like, let's, let's become the organism. I can't believe he wore army pants to preach today. What do you want me to wear? A suit makes me look holier? Okay. It doesn't matter. Let's become healthy. Amen? Number three, ready? When we lack maturity in our lives, number three, we close up. Everyone say we close up. Abraham, for goodness sakes, can you tell the truth already? Say to everyone that that's your wife. Stop saying that that's your sister. Don't you understand that the Lord is with you? Church, you're not disqualified. You're not stricken by the Lord just because you open up and because you confess. Sometimes we don't open up because it's a pride issue. We say this, I can't open up how or, or, or on how I feel or what I feel like. or I can't open up about what I'm doing. 
and what I'm going through because they're never going to look at me the same. Who's never going to look at you the same? How are we looking at you? You guys get what I'm saying? I'm going to be very honest. Like, if I have to come down here, don't even look at me like that. Don't even look at me like that. Don't look at anyone like that. Because watch this. The, there's some rottenness in your life. How many of you can say amen? There is some stench sometimes. Watch this. Watch this. There is some stench in my life too. Actually, ready? There's not some. There's a lot of stench in my life too. D don't look at someone as a hierarchy. Don't look at someone like, he's the head of here and they're the head of here and that person's the leader. Like, like shh, with all of that stuff. God is in control here. He runs this he is in charge of this government here. He is in charge of this organism here. It's, it's, it's Jesus. It's for his glory. And, and, and we got to stop fronting. We got to stop acting. We got to stop facading it. We need to recognize, like, if there's things in our life, I need someone to pray with and talk to and vent this thing. I can't close up anymore because the more I close up, the more it eats me inside. And we all know that before we ever die outwardly, we first die inwardly. We know that. How many, come here, do not answer this right now. Let's set up a meeting or let's talk to one of the leaders here. Talk to someone here. But don't just say, I'm going to confess it right now. That'll be awkward. Just wait before you do that. But how many of you are dying inwardly right now? I know there's some of you in here. I know it. I know it. You're dying inwardly. What are you going to do before you die outwardly before everyone when people leave the Lord and they die outwardly, it all started because for a while they were already dying inwardly. It just didn't like, today, I die. No. It's they went months, maybe even years dying. And then we saw the corpse. And there no, come here, how many of you have told me, hey, we're so-and-so from our church, and what do I tell you? I would hate to say they died outwardly, I don't know what to tell you. But, but the truth is, they're, they're no longer in Christ. But what did you do about it, Pastor? Did you what do you want me to do? Meetings are not enough. Giving them books to read is not enough. Giving them a phone call is not enough. It helps, but it's not enough. It's us already just maturing and growing in Christ. Watch this. Christ is enough. We can't, we gotta understand that we have to open up if things need to be opened up. We can't be prideful. Well, they're never going to look at me the same. So church, what are you closing up? Really? We're not closing up to anything. Do you know when you close up your life, you're really not closed up? Because at the end of the day, to Christ, everything is open. All man stands naked before him. James 5.16, if you're taking notes, says this, Therefore confess your sins to one another. Pray for one another. I love that. Don't judge one another. Don't gossip about one another. Did you hear what she did with them? Like, pray for one another. Confess your sins. Why, pastor, why? Because we are in the unknown together, church. We're going through this. These waters, these mountains, these woods, these trees, we're going through it together. We pray for one another. Look what it says next, that we will be healed because the prayer of the righteous person has great power in its working. How will we ever be strong if we can't even pray for each other? All because we lack maturity in opening up. Man. You know who blesses me here? I shouldn't even use his name. I'm not even going to use his name. There was a brother this week that he does this all. 
he does this every time I call him. We end our conversation, and the brother says, Rigo, is there anything you need me to pray for? Like, how cool is that? He, got, he gets the big deal. Like, he recognizes that he could ask me, can I pray for something? Like, wow, sometimes you just need someone. And every time I have a conversation with this guy in our church, I always think, okay, he's going to pray for me. He doesn't let me hang up. You want to know what he says to me? Okay, let's pray right now, brother. I'm like, all right. I'm driving in traffic. You know, one eye open. And he's praying. And then I feel bad because I'm like, I, I could pray for your eyes open, but I know I'm going to want to close them and I'm driving. I might crash. So I'm like, thank you for praying. For, like, how amazing is that? To set time to open up. Maturity is doing that. Immaturity is, I can't let my Irish, New York, and Hialeah, and New, whatever, <laughs> brother, not know what I'm going through. How about if I say, brother, I need you to pray for me and hold me accountable. I'm going through this. Amen. That's what we need. Maturity does that. Amen? Maturity also knows who to do it with. All right. Next point. <laughs> Next point. What point are we on? Good news. We're in the last point. But even worse news, no one really wants to go home yet, right? Oh, that felt bad. All right, here we go. Number four or three, whatever it is. Four. Write this down. When we lack maturity, number four, we cut ourselves short. We cut ourselves short. Well, of what? It keeps going. We cut ourselves short of ever, of ever measuring up to the stature and fullness of Christ. Like the verse we just read. Ephesians 4. I'm going to read it to you one more time. I'm just going to skip 14 for right now. I'm only going to read 13 and 15. Are you ready? Just in case you forgot it. That we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. 15. Growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of us. Guys, when we lack maturity, we cut ourselves short of ever fulfilling Ephesians 4. How many of you could say amen? And the reality is, I don't want to cut myself short of what God has called me to be and what I can be. I'm tired. How many of you today could confess, I'm tired of cutting myself short? I am. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of cutting myself short. The unknown is not to harm you, guys. Church, the unknown is to teach you. The unknown, it's a place, not in which you are lost, but a place in which you are found. The unknown is a place of growth. Yes, there are challenges, but growth follows those challenges. Yes, there are hardships, but blessings are found through those hardships. Amen? Yes, there are times of testing, but there is a building process of our faith through all that testing. The unknown is, a, is actually the best place that this church could ever be in, the call of God. I think that this is a perfect message to end our series. How? Easy. To move, to advance, to progress, to move into maturity. I know that as I shared this message Starting with me, because I want to be very sure that you understand that I'm being transparent and not putting any blame on anyone else here but me. Starting with me, 
I know that there are men here that need to mature already. Let this be your time to mature. Now, for the sake of your family, for the sake of your future family, for the sake of the church, men mature. But just like we pick on some of us, the men, we could look at some of the women, and some of the women here need to mature. How many of you ladies can say amen? We have ministers here. They're walking up right behind me right now. They minister here every Sunday, starting with me. But every single person behind me, I hope that they could admit that they need to mature. Amen? Tito, amen? He's like, what'd you say? Amen. Mature. In every aspect of our lives, it's time to grow. How long will we be in the unknown while remaining the same person? No. Not one day more, church. Not one day more. Let us progress in our faith, in our maturity. Come with me. Let's move. How many of you ready to move? I end with one last verse, and I'm going to make a point as I close off. Here it is. Jesus says this to his followers in John 15, verse 16 and 17. He says this. You did not choose me. Wow. So good. Like, he's basically saying, like, you didn't walk into the unknown just because you got there. You didn't choose the unknown. But what does he say next? I chose you. Look around this room. There's some beautiful people in this room. Actually, you are all very beautiful in this room. I was going to get the text messages. So when you said there were some beautiful people, was I one of the ones that you mean was not beautiful? No, I promise. You're gorgeous, man. Man, because men will do that. My friend Morris will call me today and say, dude, was out now just playing. But Jesus says, you did not choose me, but I chose you. Watch what he says next. I appointed you that you should go. What do you mean, go where? Say it with me. Move. In what? Go where? Move where? In the what? The unknown. Go in the unknown. Move in the unknown. Why, God? So that you could what? Bear fruit. Move in my call that I've given you. Move in it. Watch this. And if you have a gift of teaching, teach. And if you have a gift of preaching, preach. And if you have a gift of encouragement, encourage. But I'm waiting for you to call me, pastor, and put me in a position to encourage people. What? It's never going to happen. I forget. Ask my wife. I forget everything. We don't need the church to move. All we need is the appointment. <laughs> and Jesus says in John 15, I chose you. I appointed you to go and bear fruit. But I'm waiting for my pastor. And Jesus says, and who is your pastor? He can't appoint you. I appoint you new life. You don't need these. Like, come on. Is this your limitations? My goodness, poor you. If this is, I'm the pastor of this church and this is not my limitation. 
I'll preach here, like I'll preach there, like I'll preach over there, like I'll preach on that mountain, and like I'll preach on this river, and like I'll preach in this valley, and like I'll preach in that school, and like I'll preach in that church. Listen, I don't need these four walls to fulfill my ministry. I need the appointment from God to fulfill it. Don't wait for him to act out. Don't wait for her to stand up. Don't wait for them to start speaking. Don't wait for them to run the ministry. Don't wait for us to ask you to really worship. Don't ask for me to come up here to see you can preach and lead a study. Don't ask anyone to do anything for you because God has already said it and done it in you. Move in the unknown. Move. Move in. Some of you need like a uh, jump jump already get in the waters get in the tree get in the mountaintops just get in there and move in there why bear fruit already for goodness sakes do something why so that your fruit we'll go back to the verse so that your fruit should remain that's why we bear fruit church so that our fruit should remain why should it remain this is why we bear fruit so that it can continue. What do you mean? That what I do today and what I bear today, it has a long-lasting effect for the days to come. I bear fruit so that those fruits could bear more fruit. And those fruits could bear more fruit. And next thing you know, the organism is alive, it's healthy, and it's growing together because we're bearing fruit that is remaining, that is continuing, church. What a promise. For the mature in Christ, what a promise. Back to my fourth point. How many of you want to mature? I don't want to cut myself short anymore. I want to live in the complete stature and fullness of Christ already. No more immaturity. Move in it. Move in immaturity. Today I feel like I can't say this. I can't say who's ready to enter the unknown. Because I think we're all in the unknown. There might be one or two or a few of you that might not be there yet. But whether you're in the unknown and you're going to get there today or... You've been in the unknown. If you're there already, here it is. Ready? Embrace the unknown. Embrace it. Move in it. Grow in it. As I close off today, week number one, pop quiz. We spoke about what? Watch this. There it is. We spoke about obedience. In the unknown, we're called to be obedient. Now we came to week number two. And we said there's more to the unknown other than just being obedient. But in the unknown, we're also what? In a what? And here it is. We're in a covenant. We're committed. We said committed to a covenant in the unknown. And then we came last week 
And we said, in the unknown, we should never cease. We should never stop doing what? We should live our lives what? And all that we do, we need to explore. The more you explore, the more you're going to know God. See your gifts and see what God's anointed you with. And then today we said it's time that we what? Move. One word. So on week number one, we said, oh, everyone say, oh. We talked about the word obedience, oh, oh. Week number two, we talked about covenant. Everyone say, see. We talked about covenant. Week number three, we talked about e. What? Explore. Week number four, today we spoke about M. Move. E. Oh, sorry. C. E. M. O. C. E. M. I look at that and say, what is God really trying to show me in obedience and covenant? Explore and move. What is he trying to show me with these letters? What is it, God? And today, week number four, he says, you don't know what it is. Here it is. I'm calling you to come. I'm calling you to enter. Enter my covenant. Be obedient in my covenant. I want you to move in that covenant. And as you move, explore and watch me use you to do things that you would have never thought I would be able to use you in. Enter the explore, the unknown. Come into the unknown. See it for yourself. Embrace the unknown. How many of you today say, I will come? Peter, Peter, Jesus, it's you walking on water. It is. Oh, Jesus, if it's you, come on. Come on, church. Ask me to come and I'll go to you right now. Peter. What does he say next? Come. As soon as he said come, Peter began to walk on water. Something that no other man but Peter and Jesus have been able to do. All you needed was the command. Come. Because the water has already been set. The unknown is there. The command has been spoken. Enter the unknown, church. Can we stand together? Enter it. Alright, this is what I want to do. Because we all lack maturity. We're all going to come up to the altar call. So let's not do an altar call today. But let's do an altar call. This is always open if you want to come up. But for the next, I don't know how many minutes, let's not put time to it. But for the next moments together, can we just worship him? And can your heart be the altar that is open? And right there where you're at, can you say, Lord, I come. Lord, I come. Just like Isaiah. You said to come and he went. Peter, you said it, he went. Lord, I come. I I enter the unknown. Here it is. We're going to worship him together. And I want you to surrender your heart. And I want you to give it all. And I want you to think about these four weeks that you've just heard. Man, I pray that today your life will never 
be the same. What a powerful series this has been. Let's worship Him together for a few minutes. Oh, 
Father, voices one last time. With all that's inside, say, Lord, lead me. Let's sing this last chorus one more time to the Lord with all that's in us. Let's ask Him to lead us in. Other voices. And I will call upon above the waves when oceans rise my soul rests in your embrace for I am yours and you are mine oh. and you are mine oh God and Lord I thank you because throughout these weeks you've been ministering to me and you've been ministering to your body and you've called us to move and as we move Lord God in the unknown today Lord I pray that this word would not fall on dead ground but that it would produce much fruit today I pray that they heard the charge. I pray that I heard the charge. The charge to come. Lord, I long to experience you like never before. I long to know you like never before. Lord, we thank you for today. Lord, we thank you for your goodness. We love you love you and we're grateful that you are faithful in your word to speak into the depth of our being we are forever grateful forever we honor your name so today we leave encouraged we leave blessed recognizing the call upon our lives that we would be effective in it and that we would change and reach and minister to everyone around us. Thank you for the unknown in which we've been called to. Thank you for leading us in it. Help us remain obedient, committed to this covenant. Help us to explore in it and always moving in faith and growing in it. We love you. We thank you. We praise the holy name of Jesus Christ our Lord today. Together, new life, we say, Amen. Amen. Give God some praise. God, you are good. Don't forget to sign up for our Thanksgiving dinner if you have not. They'll be waiting for you right outside and for Yadi for our retreat. You are loved. See you Thursday. <laughs>